This evening on NTD Business. Canadian banks start freezing accounts tied to the trucker protest, including their crypto wallets. After sticking to a zero COVID policy for years, China could finally be thinking about dropping it because the policy is straining the economy. And it's gold's time to shine. The yellow metals rallied to its highest level in eight months. We asked Brian London why. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here, live from New York City. The Canadian government says banks have started to freeze the accounts of some people involved with the Freedom Convoy. That's a group of truckers protesting the Canadian government's COVID-19 mandates and restrictions. Canada's Deputy Prime Minister says authorities have given banks the names of individuals and corporations tied to the protest, and the banks are already starting to take action. Here she is today. The names of both individuals and entities, as well as crypto wallets, have been shared by the RCMP with financial institutions, and accounts have been frozen, and more accounts will be frozen. Freeland refused to say how many accounts have been targeted, saying she doesn't want to jeopardize the operational actions. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act this Monday, which gives authorities sweeping additional powers to respond to the protesters. The majority of provincial premiers have opposed the move, calling it unnecessary. The protests across Canada started with truckers who opposed the government's vaccination requirements for drivers crossing the Canada-U.S. border. Starting on January 29th, a large convoy of trucks drove to the capital to protest the measure, while supporters joined in. Many protesters have said they will remain in the nation's capital until the mandates are lifted. Virtual reality company Roblox didn't impress investors in its latest quarter, and is the first major metaverse company to go public. So what are the major obstacles preventing the metaverse from becoming the future of the internet, like we've been told? We talked to some experts to see how having a screen just centimeters from our face can potentially affect your eyesight. Entity's Chenny Wu has more. Shares of metaverse company Roblox plummeted and remained low after they missed estimates. Their net loss of 25 cents per share was worse than estimates of 13 cents per share. Roblox is the first major metaverse company to go public. We need time. Amir Borzorgzadeh is the CEO of Virtualeap, which creates brain training games. Borzorgzadeh says developers require many years before they can achieve Mark Zuckerberg's vision that the metaverse will be the successor to the mobile internet. And there are many obstacles to that vision, such as the current technology and health concerns. What can you play on a smartphone? That's pretty much what you can play on a VR device right now. Borzuk Zadeh says the graphics are currently very limited because developers have to factor in spatial input. And there's no way you can compare them to the graphics on a PS5. Toggling between the real world and a virtual world today, they're very uh, clunky, they're very cumbersome. Bob Bilbrook is the CEO of Capture, a business consultancy. Billbrook says headset weight is another factor, but that the technology is constantly improving. Groups like Qualcomm and others are working on chips that can process a lot faster also. And as VR headset sales increase, health concerns abound. 
at the current stage that we are on, these devices shouldn't be used, in my opinion, longer than an hour per day. In fact, I would say like these are great devices for 20 minutes per session. Until we get better devices, motion sickness and eye strain are some reported problems. In regards to the impact on eye health, one expert says we shouldn't set off uh, any major alarms about VR. Dr. Harry Bonesack is the president of the Canadian Association of Optometrists. Bonesack says VR isn't necessarily worse for your eyes than your phone. I know that all of our mothers told us, you know, don't sit too close to the TV. And now we've got a, uh, you know, we've got a screen literally, uh, you know, uh, you know, a fraction of an inch from our eyeballs. Um, is that harmful? I don't think we can say that it is. I think uh, it's likely that it's not harmful. Bonesack says the blue light coming from the screens isn't itself a cause for concern, and it's really what the eyes themselves are doing that may cause strain. Chenny Wu, NTD News. And Amazon has removed activist group Black Lives Matter from its charity platform, Amazon Smile. It's over gaps in BLM's financial reporting. Amazon confirmed the news to the Washington Examiner today. BLM failed to disclose detailed financial reports and up to $60 million donated in the wake of George Floyd's death in police custody. The group is in non-compliance with reporting requirements in a number of states and voluntarily shut down its online fundraising at the beginning of February after California and Washington issued legal threats over reporting gaps. Recently, BLM changed its 12-month accounting cycle to that allows it to delay reporting what it did with the donations until mid-May. Charity watchdogs have criticized the group for its lack of transparency. And over on Wall Street today, stocks sank. S&P 500 had its biggest drop in two weeks. Lost 95 points, but two and, ten, two and one tenths of a percent. Dow fell 622 points, one and eight tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq today dropped 407 points, nearly three percent today. If you're still trying to swallow that price hike on your favorite Philadelphia cream cheese, chew on this. His parent company, Kraft Heinz, is thinking about raising prices again. The company's CFO says they may be, quote, taking additional pricing actions as appropriate. The price increases haven't come as a surprise to retailers, though. Last month, Kraft Heinz told them it would raise prices in March on dozens of products, including hot dogs and bacon. The company says the steeper prices will help offset its own higher costs brought on by inflation. Kraft Heinz owns iconic brands including Oscar Mayer, Capri Sun and Kool-Aid. And gold is on a tear, breaking $1,900 an ounce for the first time in eight months. Still about 9% off its all-time high hit in August 2020. But the last two weeks have seen a rise about 5%. So joining us to discuss the gold market is Brian London. Brian is the editor of the Gold Newsletter and the organizer of the annual New Orleans Investment Conference. Brian, great to see you again. Thanks for coming on. Great to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity. Brian, great couple of days for gold. In fact, a great couple of weeks, I feel. Where do you think the demand is coming from? Well, over the last couple of days or a few days, it's been from geopolitical tensions, The obviously the Russia-Ukraine uh, kerfuffle, as it were. Prior to that, though, from, say, late January on, gold had been rising in a fairly consistent manner, 5 or 6 $7 a day. And, and that was really in reaction to the inflation numbers we're seeing, some of the 
powerful fundamentals for gold right now. And the fact that the Fed is is contemplating or is most likely to start uh, raising interest rates at its March meeting. Uh, interestingly, and, and contrary to what most people believe, uh, rising interest rates, and in particular the initial rate hike in a, uh, a rate hike cycle by the Fed, is actually bullish for gold. Gold typically starts a very significant rally right at that point in time. So I think the markets were kind of looking forward to that and uh, bidding gold up. But then the, the whole Russia-Ukraine issue came up, and that really lit a fire under the price uh, in, in over the, the past few trading sessions. I think that on the, the interest rate hikes, it is contrary to, I think, a lot of the prevailing narrative people tend to think as the interest rates rise and treasuries become more uh, attractive, et cetera. But as you said, historically, it's good for gold. On the geopolitical side, Russia, uh, the U.S., what is it like a, a safe haven play? Who do you think is buying gold as they watch the, the headlines unfold here? Uh, really, speculators who buy gold thinking they can sell it at a higher price as uh, geopolitical tensions ramp up. There's no fundamental reason, no logical reason why you should buy gold due to these uh, flashpoints that happen every now and then. And I, I advise my readers and have for many years not to do so because they'll usually just be left holding the bag when the traders dump gold and things, when peace breaks out, as it were. Um, so it's it's added a bit of a premium to the gold price. And uh, when peace does break out, when things do calm down, you would expect a correction in the gold price. But just this week, we saw that uh, on Tuesday when it looked like things were calming down and gold lost about $22 on that day. Uh, however, I would have expected gold to lose more. Uh, in, in that instance, and it didn't, and it actually held up fairly well. I think what we're going to see is that at some point this issue is going to be in the rearview mirror and gold will correct, but it will be at a higher level, and I think a significantly higher level than it was before it all erupted. So uh, by and large, I think uh, it's going to end up being good for gold, but from these levels, from the kinds of tensions that we're seeing that are firing up the gold price, I think we will have a pullback at some point. You mentioned premiums. I want to talk to you about the premiums on physical gold. Of course, we've seen during the pandemic, it was really high, the difference between price of physical gold and the, the spot price. Are we still seeing this phenomenon? Yeah, it's come back a bit from those levels, but it, it is still very high. The price that you have to pay for silver on the ground in the markets is uh, for physical and silver. And gold as well, or, or just silver? Yeah, uh, gold as well, but silver more prominently because it's such a lower-priced metal, and, and therefore the uh, manufacturing costs of producing a silver coin are a larger percentage of the price of that coin. Um, but yes, yeah, silver very much so. Uh, gold still, the premiums are fairly high. That's not so much a function of, of what's driving the, the gold and silver price as much as it is the surges in demand and the inability of, of mints to actually keep up. So it's more of a, uh, an industrial supply, you know, the old kind of uh, supply chain disruption uh, situation that we've been seeing. Rather than uh, demand, rather than excess well, demand. demand. Yes, it is, it is certainly demand, uh, but the silver is still available for the mints. The gold is still available for the mints. It's just they get backlogged in actually producing the, the coins and bullion bars when demand spikes. Supply chain problems. I've heard it too often. Yep. Brian London, Gold Newsletter. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.
And the number of Americans filing new claims for jobless benefits, think layoffs, unexpectedly rose last week. It's still below pre-pandemic levels all the same. But it's the first increase in a month. Economists, though, don't seem too worried. They're still expecting another month of solid employment gains in February because of the workers' shortage. Economists blame the rise in jobless claims this week on volatility in the data and harsh weather in some parts of the country. Meanwhile, the freezing temperatures chilled home building in January. The number of new residential projects or housing starts dropped 4.1% last month, according to the Commerce Department at least. And over in China, showing early signs that it may soon walk back its zero-COVID policy. That policy seeks to completely eradicate the pandemic rather than trying to adapt to living with it. At a Tuesday forum, the chief epidemiologist of China's CDC suggested that a reevaluation of the policy could be underway. Anthony's Don Ma has the story. The rethinking comes as the zero-COVID policy is increasingly straining China's economy. We've already seen Chinese growth uh, decline from double digits to single digits, which is a pretty big uh, deal when it comes to uh, the Chinese economies. At the forum, the Chinese CDC's chief epidemiologist expressed that people's livelihoods are at increasing risk. And an economist at Duquesne University says the Chinese economy could take a decade to recover. China has lost something on the order of 4 million small businesses due to the lockdown. Estimates are here in the United States we may be looking at, at reduced economic growth for the next 5 to 10 years as, a, as we come back online from following the lockdown. So China will be facing this same sort of, uh, of cost. And not only is China's zero-COVID strategy hard to achieve, it's also expensive. If you are successful in in reducing the number of COVID cases, the fewer cases you have, the more expensive it becomes to reduce them further. And so the idea of actually achieving zero cases is, is infinitely expensive. Economic scholars generally agree that this policy can't be maintained indefinitely. The Chinese, they are trying to position the country as a global economic power, right? So it's impossible to have a closed country on the one hand, but also wanting to become a global economic power that's highly influential on the other. Some academics have suggested that the point of China's zero-COVID policy may not even be pandemic prevention. This theory stems from a leaked recording from a high-level internal meeting of the Chinese Communist Party. High-level party member Huang Wansheng said that because this zero-COVID policy is tied to mass virus testing, it has become a means for high-level elite families in the CCP to make profit. He says there is no reason to mass virus test the population when one or two cases crop up. During China's Xi'an lockdowns, for example, people inside China have told us that for a period, they had to get tested every day. The population of Xi'an is around 7 million. Don Ma, NTD News. China has been repeatedly accused of underreporting the number of its domestic virus cases. Fox News recently pointed out that with 1.4 billion people, China has reported a little over 100,000 total cases since the initial outbreak there in China. Quick break, but still to come. New headlights are coming to some cars designed to shine less light on the road, which means fewer high beams in your eyes. And a new poll finds that a majority of consumers who have subscriptions end up paying unwanted charges and 
More than a third say it's difficult to cancel. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Tesla cars are facing a safety probe again. This time it's over claims that some cars unexpectedly hit the brakes while driving at highway speeds, something called phantom braking. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says the models in question were equipped with Tesla's autopilot system. That lets the cars steer and brake automatically. According to the agency, people told them that their cars came to a break without any warning and often more than once in a single trip. No crashes or injuries have been reported in connection with the complaints, but it's not the first time the NHTSA has investigated Tesla's autopilot system. Last summer, it launched a probe after several cases where Tesla's crashed into parked emergency vehicles. And Uber is introducing a new feature to let users see a breakdown of their ratings from drivers. Previously, users could only see their average rating, which doesn't explain why a one-star or a five-star was given. Uber says the goal of the new feature is to offer customers a better understanding of their current rating and to incentivize good behavior during rides. To get a higher rating, Uber recommends you clean up after yourself, put on your seatbelt, and be respectful. A low rating could actually get you booted from the service. The rideshare company says all identifying information will be kept anonymous for safety reasons. And speaking of car etiquette, ever struggle to see because another driver's high beams are shining in your eyes? Well, that problem could soon be a thing of the past. Automakers will now be able to install adaptive driving beam headlights on new cars. That's according to a ruling from the Department of Transportation's National Highway Safety Traffic Safety Administration. The new lights are designed to shine less light on occupied areas of the road and more light on unoccupied areas. They're useful for highlighting pedestrians, animals and objects without reducing the visibility of drivers and other vehicles. The ruling satisfies a requirement in the bipartisan infrastructure law. A new bank rate survey reports that over half of Americans who have subscriptions have paid for unwanted charges, a trend that has been highlighted by the pandemic. Anthony's Andrew Thomas reports. The report found that 51% of respondents with a subscription or membership have racked up unwanted charges. Often, it's a surprise. A lot of people are getting snagged by this. Maybe it's a free trial that they signed up for and then it turned into a paid subscription without their knowledge or without their permission. Sometimes it's things that we legitimately signed up for, but we kind of forgot about it or we didn't realize it was still going. The survey found that 58% of millennials and 57% of Gen Zers who have subscriptions have encountered charges they didn't plan on. Video streaming, home exercise, and meal kits are just a few examples of subscriptions. The subscription and free trial models are part of a business strategy. Get consumers in and make it hard for them to get out. 
34% of respondents said it was difficult to turn off an automatic subscription. Some of it, frankly, I think is the business model. And you know, I guess the fancy business school term for it would be negative option marketing. But basically this idea that you're in until you're out, that you sign up, you give your card, and then you're just perpetually going to be charged. Or that free trial. A lot of times they get your card info up front. Many consumers often sign up for a service or a free trial, then forget about them. I think everybody's homework assignment should be comb through those bank and credit card statements, maybe look through the apps on your phone. What are you paying for? Are there these kind of money leaks that you're not aware of? Banks and credit card companies are trying to help. Chase has a saved account manager function where consumers can see everywhere their credit card information is saved. And Visa and MasterCard have new rules mandating clearer disclosures for subscription services. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Alaska Airlines is launching two subscription services for flyers looking to save money, which is probably all of them. Wednesday, it announced its Flight Pass and Flight Pass Pro programs. The plans give travelers up to 24 round-trip flights a year at a fixed monthly rate. The pass can be used to fly between 16 West Coast cities, including popular spots in California, as well as flights from California to Reno, Las Vegas, and Phoenix. Alaska Airlines says the budget-friendly flight pass plan starts at $49 per month, while the flight pass, flight pass Pro version will start at $199 a month. A new U.S. investment management company is seeing dollar signs in a New Zealand rugby team. Now the team has agreed in principle to sell a minority stake to the firm for over $100 million. Francis McGuire reports. New Zealand's All Blacks rugby team is one of the sport's most famous and successful names. So it may be little surprise that one U.S. private equity firm has seen financial opportunities in the brand. New Zealand Rugby announced on Thursday it had agreed a deal to sell a minority stake in its commercial business to Silver Lake for almost $134 million. It would see the company take a stake of up to 8.58% in a new entity called NZR Commercial Co. NZR CEO Mark Robinson. The agreement still needs to be ratified by a majority of New Zealand's 26 provincial rugby unions. They all stand to receive lower distributions of cash than with a previous proposal. That would have seen Silver Lake take a bigger stake, but was rejected by the players' union. NZR will also have less money to put into the game's development. However, the governing body said it would keep full control over rugby as well as commercial strategy. New Zealand's All Blacks are a global brand and commercial powerhouse, but they were not immune to the financial effects of the global health crisis. Now the new deal values NZ Rugby's commercial assets at more than $2.3 billion and guarantees the sports an immediate cash injection. And the Guinness World Record for the heaviest strawberry goes to a farmer in Israel. The strawberry is 7 inches long and 1.5 and inches thick, weighs in at over half a pound or almost as heavy as a can of soup. Looks like several berries fused at the green leafy cap forming the shape of a fan. Farmer says cold weather in early 2021 slowed the strawberry's ripening process, allowing it to continue gaining weight. Says the giant strawberry was found a year ago and kept in a freezer till now. That's when the record was confirmed. As the latest business updates for today, you can still catch NTD Evening News with Stephanie Cox. That's at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. 
Method Your Business, it's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.